Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to the Car Blue podcast. I'm Dan Rowlandson, joined here this afternoon by John Townley to talk about Chelsea, Everton in the League Cup, and looking ahead to Brighton a little bit as well, although that is early doors for that, as it's only Monday, and that game's Saturday lunchtime. Uh, loads to get into, John, as always, on the Monday show. We've got some fan comments and plenty of talking points uh, off the back of that Chelsea victory. How are you? Are you recovered from a, a long away day at, Chelsea, at Stamford Bridge? Really good away day, following on from Warsaw, which is a good experience, but not the result we wanted. But yeah, Chelsea was... Um... Yeah, a brilliant response from Villa. I would say much needed win, although we have now won four and six, but it just felt like, to me anyway, that Chelsea game was um, it was a big opportunity to get a good result. But also, if we didn't, I thought it would be one of those where it would be like, oh, Chelsea aren't you know, good this year or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then if you win against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, it feels like it's still the Chelsea of old when it really isn't, but it's still a brilliant mm-hmm. three points. And yeah, sixth and table now. So um, yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks, Dan. So although before Chelsea we'd won three and lost two and the balance was more teetered towards a positive, it's now swung even further with the four and two and it really does feel like, uh, I don't know how long you can still say it's a good start for six games in. Is that still a a good start? I suppose it is, isn't it? I think anything under 10 games is still the start. On paper, I don't know what the odds were before the game, but you'd expect us to still have been the slight favourites for Chelsea just given the form of the two sides. But it's still Chelsea, it's still Stamford Bridge and they've still got a, a whole host of potentially good players. So that's a great result, isn't it? I, I, I don't think you can dress it up either way. That's a good result still. Yeah, and I think the manner of the performance as well was something similar to what Villa were playing like last season when they were grinding out some away results. Yeah. Like, yes, Chelsea had opportunities to score, but I mean, you're still playing at Stamford Bridge against players who are £50 million, £100 million. Pounds. It, Chelsea aren't a great team, but they've got some exceptional individuals. They've yeah. literally spent a million pounds. Yeah, uh, really important result because as you mentioned there Dan the kind of the balance it tilts now where Villa are um I know it's too early to look at the table but we're quite secure in, in the top half now we've obviously got games against Brighton and West Ham Wolves away quite tricky games games that Villa can win but games where I'm not sure we'll pick up you know say nine points if we do obviously that'll be exceptional we'll probably be near enough to Man City after that if we do um mm-hmm. but it just gives us a nice bit of breathing space where you can go into the Brighton game without thinking if we don't win it's not the end of the world put it that way and there's still a long way to go in the season anyway but we're I think we're proving that we can play like we did last season where the Newcastle game and the Liverpool game that felt quite alien in a way losing 5-1 Losing mm. three, um, not really having you know much spells of possession in their half and things like that. But the Chelsea game was different, and we went there controlled large parts of the game. The red card helped in a way, I think, to for us to get the goal. But hey, we might have scored anyway. To be fair, really good result, and yeah, it kind of signals a very good start to the season. And we'll get on to it. But Villa have dealt with some adversity and a lot of challenges at the start of the season. And to me, I'm, I'm mm. still thinking about the kind of different negatives like oh we got battered at Newcastle Liverpool weren't great injuries but then you look at it Villa are sick they won four out of six scored 12 goals and they're only going to get better from here that's my kind Mm. of main takeaway from this start of the season this is this is probably 
the worst Villa will be all season, which is um, which is exciting. It's worth noting that four of those six games have been away as well, which is is, is some going. As I'm going to try and interweave some comments from uh, supporters throughout this, either from Twitter or YouTube. Um, Charlie Cox on Twitter, sixth place after six games when you've played Newcastle, Liverpool, and Chelsea all away is some going. By the way, like it's obviously a very stupid point, but. We don't have to go to those away grounds again this season. Like it's already out of the way in in at the end of September. Like that's a that's a big plus. The away goals record as well is something that was starting to creep in a little bit into the, the conversation. We mentioned it in the inside body more show we did before Chelsea. You know, five against Newcastle, three at Liverpool, three at Warsaw. It was probably going to be a wide talking point today if we'd conceded goals at Stamford Bridge. I was saying, you know, that will concern me because. Chelsea haven't scored goals. To kind of put that conversation to bed as well by keeping the clean sheet, and again, that probably doesn't mean much against the Chelsea side that don't score goals, but on the face of it, that's an important thing to get over the line, isn't it? A big clean sheet, a 1-0. It looks like you've ground it out, and that's a great result when you move on. Precisely that. I think the last clean sheet we had away from home was against Chelsea, if I'm not mistaken. I'm just trying to think yeah, back. I think you're right. As much as we had the clean sheet, I do, as you say, Dan, this is a Chelsea side who are... Um, they're not firing on any cylinders. Like, do they have cylinders? <laughs> do you know what I mean? They're, they are so um, yeah, weak going forward at the moment. And it's difficult because I want to sing Villa's praises, you know, as high as I possibly can. Um, and, I, and I have done. <laughs> but I think you've just got to take it with a pinch of salt in a little, in, in some way, because this is a Chelsea team who are, to me, they're a bottom half table team at the moment. I mean, did they finish yeah. in the bottom half last season? I think they did. Yep. And there's no improvement really this season. They've got a new manager, um, a lot of injuries. To be fair, credit to Villa, they still went there, did the job. And as you say, away from home, we away from home, we haven't been playing uh, as Emery would have liked. But Chelsea was different. Um, maybe going there against the team who were very low on confidence possibly helped. But you make the point that it has to start from somewhere. You know, this clean sheet and this one away win might be the platform Villa need to go to somewhere like Wolves, who yeah, yeah. brilliant, but we've lost the last two times we've played at Molyneux and they weren't particularly great then either so can we go to Wolves and win their keep clean sheet and all of a sudden that's you know we're back on track in terms of that waveform and, and that's what you need like just like Ollie Watkins he needed two attempts to finish his goal made it harder for himself in some ways because the angle of his second shot uh, probably shouldn't have gone in but he's got his goal now and yeah. who knows he might start five and five you know it's football it's a, it's a confidence game for a lot of players and um, I wonder when was kind of a perfect result I'd rather win that 1-0 than 3-1 if you you know in, in some ways it just it gives you that platform doesn't it to to um to build on mm, it's interesting to mention that actually I saw Brighton did a tweet yesterday saying like they only ever win uh, they only ever win 3-1 or 4-1 and all their results this season have been either 3-1 wins or 4-1 wins and the game they lost was 3-1 as well I think to West Ham as much as they're a very good side you do think that might not be as sustainable as some of the results we'll have gotten in the last six months or so, but we'll talk about Brighton later on because they are a brilliant, brilliant side. Let's talk through some individual performances then from yesterday's game. Now, me and Frankie Maguire did the post-match show yesterday. It's actually, a, I don't like saying stuff like this because it makes me look massively biased, but I really enjoyed that show. I thought it was a, a good uh, a good podcast, mainly from Frankie, obviously. So if you missed that and want to see our like, raw reaction to the game, uh, you can go back on the feed and, and find that. Somebody we didn't talk about in massive amounts of detail was Emmy Martinez, who I thought was unbelievable. Yesterday, in hindsight, like I said, we didn't really mention it uh, on the post-match show. Got a tweet here from Jacob Tanswell of The Athletic, of course. 
Emi Martinez is winding up the Chelsea crowd, not that he cares. Every other free kick he has taken ages. The moment Jackson stands in front of the ball with his back turned, Martinez smashes it against his legs. Jackson's then booked for stopping a quick free kick. Artful. I didn't notice that at the time, but I, I just love that side of his game as well. As much as like, we talk about his goalkeeping abilities and one on one shot stopping, playing out from the back, that side of the game that helps us time waste when it's obviously going in Villa's favour is a massively underrated facet of his game because it just winds up the opposition and that kind of thing helps see Villa over the line in terms of results. Poch, I think Poch was very confused why um, why Jackson got the yellow card, but you know, I think he's talking for official and I think John Duran was like stepping on toes in the in the final minutes of the game as well, which again, you'd expect from John Duran on Martinez's saves. Like, I, I mean, I gave him a nine out of ten. Play rating is very difficult. I said very difficult. I've got a million things to do on a match day and totaling up my, my play ratings at the end of the game is harder than what it seems. Um, I gave him a nine out of ten, but I don't really know why I didn't give him a ten. Like, maybe because he didn't <laughs> score. Like, I, I don't know. Um, he was yeah, unbelievable. And what gets me with Martinez is that whenever a player does go in on goal, I give him a 80% chance of saving it still. Yeah. And I don't know whether... I mean, it's a bit dangerous, but um, Villa's high line, because some of the chances Chelsea had, we were very high and they did get through. And we don't know if it would be called offside if it went in or not, because they all looked very tight. Um, mm. but if we give Chelsea the benefit benefit of the doubt to talk about Martinez's saves, I wonder if Villa playing that high line, because Martinez, uh, sorry, because Emery has so much faith in Martinez that he there's actually a high chance that he's going to stop a lot of those one-on-ones, yeah. which is quite remarkable. I don't know, maybe if we had a different goalkeeper, I don't know, Olsen, for example, maybe we'd be playing a lot deeper um, because some of the saves he pulled off, like they're exceptional saves, but you just expect it from Martinez and that speaks, you know, so highly of him anyway, but every, uh, every cross he claims, he's always looking to bowl the ball out at the, at the um, quickest opportunity. But then if it's not on, he'll, you know, keep the ball. And Emery likes that a couple of times when he caught crosses and things like that. Um, Emery would, you know, hold his hands up, ask for patience on the ball and things like that. And Martinez will sometimes look over to him and, and follow what he's asking. But yeah, in terms of the saves, the one against Jackson was a top save. He, kind of a big, strong arm, I think it was, um, at a tight angle. And the Chilwell save as well. He read that situation. Yeah. So yeah, he's a world-class keeper, one of the best in the world. Some will say the best in the world, and um, yeah, he's a remarkable goalkeeper. And he's obviously hasn't won us the game because Watkins has had to put the ball in the back of the net. But like last season, where he, I think he saved a couple of one-on-ones against Chelsea as well, there's going to be moments where Villa have to kind of suffer in matches, and Martinez is going to have to kind of get Villa out of trouble in some ways. But yeah, absolutely. I think we play in a certain way that is a bit dangerous because we know that we have one of the best keepers in the world kind of yeah. weird way make use of him you know if, if he's there mm-hmm. then well, maybe we can play a bit more as I say dangerous and um, we can give away a few more opportunities potentially not that we want to but we can afford to because Martinez is there and he's he's going to make saves in the game where does he rank in the Premier League like, genuinely if we're talking about it being one of the best in the world like Alisson probably one of the best in the league Edison traditionally one of the best in the league as well though I don't think he was brilliant last year is Martinez then third best in the league or would you make a case for him being the best Alisson's the best goalkeeper in the world um, and he's in a bracket by himself in my opinion in the Premier League because he's that good mm. so he's in category one if you like I don't like literally ranking them because uh, I can't think of all of them off the top of my head but uh, Martinez is in the second category if you will which is obviously exceptional um, he's in the top five 
for goalkeepers in the Premier League. Where where you rank them, I can't think of all the keepers off the top of my head. But um, yeah, Allison's the best. I, you know, I love Martinez, but I just think Allison's the, the amount of one on ones that he saved and um, his post shot goals expectancy, or whatever the stats called, basically a stat that measures how many goals the keeper should concede. I think he prevented like I don't know how many goals, but the most in the Premier League last yeah. season. Martinez there as well this year um but for me I, I always say i just think we kind of treasure him at the moment but when there'll, there'll come a time when martinez doesn't play for villa anymore and i think we'll notice it then more than ever not that we won't replace him with a top goalkeeper hopefully we do later down the line not that we're going to sell him but i don't know maybe we might retire at villa but in the way that he commands his box he's so physically imposing which i think kind of goes under the radar yeah he catches every ball he's he's dominant he's, he's a vocal presence he organizes he was organising from the free kick that Villa had. So when Villa had the free kick from Douglas Louise, which took a deflection off the wall and then Zaniolo nearly scored from the corner in the first half, you had Martinez trying to organise the wall. Um, I think he's done that before and Villa scored. Yeah, I think yes. Maybe it was Luca Dean Luca against Dean. Man United. Yeah. Yeah, he, was, he probably does that every game, but I know it's against Chelsea as well. Um, he's well up there, Dan. I mean, can I quickly go through the goalkeepers? Is that right? Yeah, of course. I'm just thinking off the top of my head now. You've got Alisson, Edison, Martinez... Anana is new. I wouldn't have him. Nick Pope, um, Ramsdale and Raya, both at Arsenal. I wouldn't have them above him. Chelsea, Robert Sanchez now. I wouldn't have him anywhere near it. Jordan Pickford, again. I'd rather Martinez. I'd say Alisson, Edison and Martinez are the top three. And the order is debatable depending on probably what club you support. Yeah, got the list of keeps now. So Alisson, yeah, is, is the best goalkeeper. And then you, there is an argument to say he's probably the second best goalkeeper. Martinez is very different to how Edison plays. Yeah. And Man City would rather have um, Edison than Emi Martinez because there's less reliance on Edison to make as many saves as Martinez and command his area because Man City have got 80% of the ball. Villa would rather have Martinez than Edison and Man City would rather have Edison than Martinez. But I think those are the top three goalkeepers uh, if you're going to give like overall, you know, if you're uh, analysing them like it is a complete package. And you've got David Raya, I think, who's a top keeper as well uh, amongst that. Jordan Pickford's a good goalkeeper. I mean... Yeah, but those three in particular, I think, are uh, they're probably the ones. I want to make some like, wider comparisons between us and Chelsea. And I don't want to hurry in too much on this, but it's obviously two very different clubs. But there's a lot of conversations last year when Villa were like stuck in 11th, weren't they, with, with Chelsea, level on points, or you know they'd win a game, we'd win a game, and we'd never kind of make any ground. And all of a sudden, we beat Chelsea and overtake them and absolutely flown past them since. We always talk about the 2023 table, and we referenced it yesterday, and I kind of guessed it. I think we're probably around fifth, um, but I didn't have it in front of me. But you know, the benefit of doing this the day after I have got it in front of me now. Villa are fourth in the league for 2023. 28 games played, 55 points. Uh, that's level with Liverpool and Arsenal, so joint second. Uh, two yeah. more points than Brighton, three more than Man United, uh, nine more than Newcastle. Chelsea, 16th. They played a game more than Villa in 2023. 25 points. It's not even a point a game for Chelsea. That's what I mean, considering we were neck and neck for so long, for us to have made a 30-point swing on them in in the calendar year. Yeah, massively. Considering the money they've spent, it's it's absolutely not on, is it, for Chelsea at all to to have done that. uh, Interesting, when you look at that top five, obviously Brighton in there as well, we've got the lowest goal difference of of the sides. We don't score as many goals as, as those top sides, and that might be something that needs to be fixed if Villa are to be up there consistently but if you're winning 1-0 it doesn't matter does it yeah is that scoring the lowest goals or is that goal difference uh no it's scoring the lowest so we've scored 46 conceded 31 
Brighton, for example, have scored 62, conceded 37. Liverpool scored 57, conceded 33. So the conceded goals are all in the 30s, but their goals scored are upper 50s and ours are 40s. I mean, I'll be honest, I actually thought we were second by... um, I didn't think we'd be joint second. I knew that we were second, but I thought it was like kind of a bit of breathing space between the teams below us. But maybe that's just because we lost two games this season and Mm. two games towards the end of last season against United and Wolves. Yeah, in terms of goal squad, there's no issues there for me at all. Um, Top four teams are always going to score more goals than Villa if we're not in the top four. And Brighton are free scoring as well. And as we said earlier, they win games 3-1, they lose games 3-1. Villa are more. It's just, I think sustainable is the right word. And people forget, or people maybe don't forget, that last season, we gave like a 13-12 game head start to teams like Brighton. And we probably should have finished above them in the end. Um, Yeah. that, it's quite remarkable. I was looking, I know the tables were kind of the early stages again, but we're about a point away from, or two points away from Tottenham. And I thought Tottenham were kind of challenging Man City. Yeah. The league, judging by how well they've been um, kind of received by the media. And there we are, just, you know, just behind. Kind of snuck and, up out of nowhere, yeah. And people probably just think, oh, yeah. they got battered on the opening day and they got battered by Liverpool. They're not a good side. But kind yeah. of put those um, problems to bed a, a little bit, at least. If, if we win against Brighton as well, we go, I don't know if we, we'd go level on level with Brighton, sorry. But there's every chance yeah. we'd go with a team like Tottenham because I think they play Liverpool. Just, again, it doesn't really matter. We can go in the radar. Um if need to be, but you're not going to hear many people talking about Villa and praising them after beating Chelsea. It's going to be, oh, Chelsea have lost again, and which isn't yeah, so wrong. much of the day, yeah. It was, oh, Chelsea aren't scoring goals. It's like, yeah, you have that as the narrative. We'll talking be Villa point. and go under the radar. It's fine. Talking point, but also that Villa only, what, what, what is it? Only Man City have got more points than Villa in the whole calendar year. And the longer the year goes on, there's every chance that we're going to be in, uh, in the top four of that little mini league, if, um, if you're... Well, yeah, it's not far off being a full... Premier League season's worth of games. It's 28 games. Only 10 more to go to make that up. I don't want the year to end. We're doing so well. It's gone very quick. (laughs) You mentioned the the 10-game head start last year. M. Wolski on YouTube says, it took 13 games to get 12 points last season. We don't draw many under Emery, and as a result, regularly winning games is more beneficial to us in points and league position. I like that as a point because it is kind of win or bust for Villa. And when it's bust, it's annoying, isn't it? It's frustrating because you kind of always think, we could have done better there. Maybe we could have eked out the point. But over the course of a calendar year, if you win more games than you lose and you don't draw many, you pick up maximum points a lot of times. And that's that kind of catapults you up the league. So also the kind of little start of 13 games to get 12 points last season was like a start reminder of how bad it was this time last year. So to be well ahead of that track record with uh, half the games played is we're in a good place, aren't we? And we're only going to get better. That's my, as I said, that's, that's yeah. my takeaway. From these six games, we're there's so much that's maybe more than what meets the eye. There's so much that's changed since the start of the season. And in pre-season, we've obviously introduced five players, two of which are fundamental to the starting eleven in terms of Torres and Diaby. Without them, we're vastly different. And yeah. lost Mings, and I think we're still kind of getting over that because... I think Luca Dean, for example, has been caught out a few times, but I don't want to solely blame him because I think usually he's got Tyron Mings of covering for him, whereas Torres isn't quite um, up to speed with that yet, which is okay because he's been exceptional in terms of playing with the ball. And actually, I think against Chelsea, that was by far and away his best game in Claret and Blue. He did shank a pass in the first couple of minutes, but Emery was kind of like quick to be like, calm down. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
and I, you don't need to tell Torres. Like he, I think he's probably the calmest uh, person in, in in the stadium. It's just that was a kind of a, a freak moment for him. But yeah, they're only getting better, and that's why I'm so excited. And that's why, like after Liverpool, it was Newcastle was different because that was a bit of a shock to the system. Of oh, that wasn't very nice. Um, Liverpool felt a bit not. I don't want to say different because it was three 0 when anyone can get beaten three 0 by Liverpool and Villa had chances to score goals in that game as they did against Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, more what they did anyway. But after Liverpool, I just felt like, well, this is a process. And the last thing that fans want to hear is, you know, trust in what the manager's trying to do and, you know, be patient and things like that. But we're asking for, for patience and it's not going to take years. Like, we're already here. We're in Europe. Uh, yes, we lost our first game, but we have control over that matter. If we beat Everton, then win the last 16 of the Carabao Cup, hopefully we get a favourable draw, which is likely considering the amount of teams that have been drawn against each other. So maybe you get into the quarterfinal of that group stages should hopefully be fine in Europe we're going well in the Premier League and we're only going to improve it's um it's really exciting but I just feel like the start of the season there's so much that kind of hit us in terms of some poor results some bad injuries players trying to uh, adapt <clears throat> in a new system which is going to always take a bit of time mm. but when you think about it it's like actually <laughs> we're not even in October yet and there's a lot to be excited about and we've got a manager who's going to take us to to, uh, to new heights I think this season Let's talk about Emery a little bit then there's a comment from Jay on Twitter who says back when Gerard got sacked there was no one I wanted more than Pochettino if you told me now that I could swap Emery for Pochettino not a chance Unai Emery is the perfect fit for Aston Villa and we've said this many times haven't we about Emery and, and, and Villa being a, a match made in heaven uh, did you see the Instagram post he put up yesterday after the game I did see you it, saw yeah. it yeah so the picture I love it by the way first time actually I, I can remember at least him being suited and booted at a game it's normally either just like a, a kind of like a school uniform uh, jumper yeah. or a, a tracksuit full suit blazer as well with a villa crest on a big fan of that so he's in his uh, shirt and his waistcoat sat on the coach with a little tv screen in front of him watching the sheffield united newcastle game and a, an ipad or whatever watching what looks like youtube now, I don't know what it would be. The, the, if you can zoom in very closely, uh, it's a team wearing blue, but it looks just like the socks. So I don't know whether that's the Chelsea highlights, obviously, whether that would be out that quickly, whether it was Everton and he was preparing for uh, Wednesday's game on the coach on the way back from Chelsea. And I just love that. And if it is YouTube, I don't know whether anyone else did the same thing, but I was zooming in going, what's on his recommended tab? Where, where's the Clap Blue podcast? <laughs> that's all I was looking for. But yeah, the, the point there is that he's the perfect man to lead Aston Villa, isn't he? And then the comparisons again with Chelsea, just because they're the opponent we've played. When we were all kind of clamouring for Pochettino last year, there's absolutely no one else I'd rather have than Unai Emery Aston Villa now. No, and I think at the time, like I've said before, I've, I've just presumed he would um, kind of be a bit reluctant to leave Villarreal because of rejecting Newcastle. He wants to win silverware, which is one thing, and he wants to qualify for the Champions League. Winning silverware, though, there's, you know, how much do you want to win Unai? Do you know, I, I think it, 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 it's kind of up to him about how long he wants to stay and leave whatever legacy he wants to, really, because, as I say, Villa have built a whole football department, a whole footballing structure around him. Monchi, Damian, uh, different scouts and, and in the recruitment team as well. It, it, it's all to make sure that Unai has the kind of the smoothest, I don't know, journey with Villa, if that makes sense. Everything yeah. is there for him. On a day-to-day basis, all he has to worry about is um, is being on the training pitch with his players and improving them. That's all he's got to worry about. The rest of it, Monchi, Damian, they all take care of of the kind of the extra load that he would have maybe have um, kind of been pressured about uh, doing. 
Arsenal, Villarreal, other places like that. Uh, so when he came into the Villa job, he wanted to make sure that his sole focus was on doing what he does best. The proof is now that we've gone so far with him. I don't see how that changes now. And mm. he's built a new structure. He said after the Chelsea game um, that he's kind of in his team's under construction, which I thought was interesting, an interesting way of putting it. And he's not wrong because we haven't had that whole left side, have we? We haven't had Ramsey, we haven't had Moreno. Pau Torres is new, but as soon as Moreno and Ramsey come back, then there's going to be working with different players. Uh, exciting though, because that is some, you know, that, that's quite something to have Moreno and Ramsey and Torres on the left side. On the right side, you've got Cashews, the box crasher, um, Concer as well. Uh, kind of holding it down in, in defence. And then you've got Diaby. We get like, there's so much, so much quality there, so much depth. And Emery's improved every player. It's really exciting times to be um, to be a Villa fan. I don't see it. These exciting times ending <clears throat> anytime soon. Two players you've not mentioned there, Douglas Suiz and Bubakar Kamara. Uh, Matt Law on Twitter <laughs> yesterday. Luis and Kamara cost Villa combined 15 million and they were far superior to Fernandez and Caicedo, 220 million. It's a very kind of easy tweet isn't it that to make those financial comparisons but it, it is funny Kamara had his best game of the season yesterday I, I said yesterday and I, I stand by that having seen bits of the game back since and Douglas Ruiz is just an unbelievable footballer we say it week in week, in, week out and we've run out of superlatives for him but when you mention like the building of the side there like Martinez at the back Torres Con- uh, Torres Moreno Ramsey up the left side Conce Cash McGinn up the right DRB you miss that central bit out, don't you, of Louise and Kamara? Because you, you just take them as red as being, yeah. they're unbelievable. The issue is, though, with them, and yeah, you're completely right, Dan, Kamara had his best game for Villa yesterday, mm. this season. He played well against Burnley, but against a proper opposition, like, a proper, yeah. that seems a bit... No, I know what you mean. That's a more difficult opposition. Yeah, but and I, I put in my rating saying Louise would walk into this Chelsea midfield. But just thinking back now, I am a bit like, well, you could probably put, Prime Iniesta in that Chelsea midfield and he wouldn't be able to play his best because there's just no structure or yeah. no anything in that team. They're literally just a group of individuals, that Chelsea squad. And that's not Poch's fault. I know it's his job to make it happen, but they've got like 50 players on the books. Like I don't it's not conducive at all to having a, a team that are gonna um play the best football as a unit. So Kamara and Louise, who know each other's game inside out, um, they're always going to have the upper hand on the midfield who don't you don't know each other, even if they are £150 million players or whatever Chelsea spent on them. And £50 million for Louise and Kamara combined. Obviously, Kamara's free, but then you've got Tielemans coming off the bench for free. Ramsey's an academy product. Uh, product yeah. sorry. Um, you know, Villa have made some really smart pieces of business. John McGinn, 2.5, we all know. So you could uh, go after those two, but then also, where's the depth? Um, and Villa have got it for... Uh, next to nothing as well so Tielemans when he came off the bench by the way I kind of you know it might go under the radar but I thought he was excellent as well actually he brought a lot of calm to the midfield at a time when Villa definitely needed it because Chelsea although they were down to 10 men they just went for it as soon as Villa mm. scored but he came on the pitch called for calm a lot of the time he always had his hands in the air kind of just like you know play with um, play with the Kind of focus and that's it kind of mirrored exactly what Emery was doing on the bench calling for patience on the ball and there was periods in the game where Tielemans would kind of combine with a couple of or maybe three players play little triangles and even that just kind of takes momentum out of the game just keeping the ball for a bit of time not not doing anything particularly fancy professional 20 minutes because there was 11 minutes added as yeah. well yeah, which yeah. I don't know where that comes from. I mean, I know there's VAR <laughs> went down, but there was that um, 
kind of the Premier League referees were doing 20 minutes added at the end of the games at the start of the season. And I just don't like, OK, if you're going to do that, do it for every game then. Why then stop? But they did 11 for us, but then the referee adds three minutes and plays like one minute 30 or something in the first half. It's just only <laughs> timekeeping. Yeah. The basic, I can do time on my iPhone. Like, yeah, don't know where 11 minutes come from, but credit to Villa, they uh, there wasn't really many shaky moments. I think Thiago Silva had a header at the back post, something like that. But there are chances, Chelsea, in a, in a better Chelsea side do score at least one goal yesterday. But you play what's in front of you, and they're pretty yeah. average at the moment. And Villa beat them, and that's that. Yeah, you can't have a squad of that that's littered with that much quality without having moments and without creating yeah. chances. They're not that bad. It's just that as a team, there's no there's no coherence mm. at all. They're um they're all over the place and it's it's a massive job for Poch. And I I wonder I know Villa fans, yeah, this is a Villa podcast, but I just wonder how long he'll get to do it. Then presumably he'll get a bit of time, but <laughs> there's no sign that they're gonna win a game at the moment. So um And have you seen their upcoming fixtures as well after the international break? I mean, to be fair, but I don't think they'll get much harder than Villa. From the 21st of October, so the first game back after the international break, this is Chelsea's run of fixtures. Arsenal, Brentford, Tottenham, Man City, Newcastle, Brighton, Man United, Everton, Sheffield United, Wolves. So obviously they're going to have an easier run at some point, but you've got what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven difficult games in a row there after the international break. Chelsea could be in the bomb three. You mentioned Sheffield United and the other teams there, and you think, well, that's a good, good opportunity for those. Relegation six pointer. Um, yeah, they are. They are that team at the moment. And I don't want to paint the picture of kind of oh, Villa had to go there and win. They still have to do a job though. And I do think that whoever plays Chelsea, they still have to be at one hundred percent to win. Hmm. So it's yeah. not, it's not knocking them if they, you know, it's not knocking Villa that they got three points and it's kind of a oh you should have done that. But I just think if Villa give one hundred percent in that game and play well, they will win, and they did. If they didn't, then they would have probably lost the game. So yeah. that that is, those are the kind of the uh, fine margins when you're playing against them at the moment. But they are they're there to be get at, to be got at. Sorry, and I don't see any way that they compete for Europe this season, really. Which is a positive for us because I put them around fourth because they didn't have Europe. So mm, I, I think Chelsea do very well to get into the top eight. To be honest, but never mind the, the yeah. top seven European positions. Uh, we mentioned Emery earlier, and where he kind of ranks and in terms of like I wouldn't swap him for anyone is is the line that I threw out there, and that's probably. Yeah forgetting about people like Pep Guardiola but you take them as red when we did the comparisons earlier on about where Martinez ranks in the goalkeepers where does Emery rank in that list of Premier League managers like uh, the point that I wouldn't swap him for anyone is I think he's a perfect fit here Guardiola is the best manager in the the world does Guardiola come in and work at Aston Villa you're never going to be able to say are you because he's only ever worked at clubs that are ready made to go Barcelona Bayern Man City could he come into 17th place Aston Villa and get them into Europe We'll never ever know. Take him as red and possibly Klopp as well. Where does yes. Emery rank in the the rest of that? Oh, it's it's difficult because I, I think you need to kind of outline what is. I understand what you're saying, Dan, but I, I do think it completely depends on what club you're managing. I really do. Like, yeah, yeah. A lot of people will say, "Oh, Arteta is better than it, um, better than Emery because he's." Um, competing for the league or was last season probably not this season and it's kind of default of yeah, he must be better then but then I disagree because <laughs> Emery's won so many t- he's only two managers in history have won more UEFA titles than Emery Emery mm. has done a marvellous job with Villa he's collected the most point sorry the joint uh, joint amount of points is what Arsenal have in 2023 with a uh, considerably less budget and with a group of players who you know are very good but probably aren't as good as Arsenal's because I say they were challenging last season and with less recently less time as well he's only been in the job for well less than 12 months so yeah, remarkable yeah. Turnaround. so it, it it's how what do you define and and who are you what club are you 
putting them into you know yeah so I, I do think that matters and then you could argue oh it depends if um the manager can work in different clubs and i think it's difficult because emery's only experience at a traditional top five top six whatever you want to call it club uh, was arsenal and it went well at the start but then didn't go well you know moving forwards but then arteta didn't start where we kind of yeah, it's yeah. difficult I mean, for me he's obviously in in the elite bracket Klopp and guardiola are the top two and then in whatever order you want to put it really because Again, I just think it depends on different factors. But Emery's in the second, the second list, if you will, with Arteta, Deserbi. I, I still think you have to put Ten Hag in there for me. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying it's better than Emery at all, but I think he's had a lot of problems at Man United. And I, sometimes I think that's kind of a poison chalice. Like, how can you succeed with so much media spotlight and whatnot? Um, Eddie Howe probably deserves to be in there as well. Again, I'm not ranking them like that, but Emery, Emery's yeah, yeah, the top. Yeah way for me but he's in that bracket I suppose you could say but he's done it for years 16 years he's been in Europe so yeah. we're not just saying it's Villa fans he's got the track record Emery was the first choice for Newcastle as well before Eddie Howe so yeah he's, of course he's well up there yeah some clubs just have a right fit but don't they with the manager like Arteta and Arsenal are a good fit Eddie Howe has gone into Newcastle and probably surpassed most people's expectations that you know if they want to get into the, the top four Eddie Howe is good a good kind of short-term fix but he might not be able to do that long term and he's kind of fit that club like a glove so far Thomas Frank at Brentford has done a very very good job there but pluck Thomas Frank out and put him in charge of Spurs, for example. Does that work? I'm, I'm not so sure. So I say I wouldn't yeah. stop memory for anyone in terms of what he brings to Villa. Is he a better manager than Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola? Obviously not, because it's a different different bracket. But for Villa specifically, I wouldn't swap him for anyone because I know he works at this club and it is a match made in heaven. Yeah, and he's had success other places as well. Obviously, I mentioned Arsenal didn't go so well, but that was because of multiple factors. And mm. if you give Emery all the tools and everything he needs... He'll probably be very successful. It's different. Yeah. For example, like Graham Potter does very well at Brighton. It's a very good club to manage, and Deserby's found that out as well. But then if he goes somewhere else, will it work? Again, uh, for Chelsea, it didn't. For Poch, he's finding out it's not really working either. Yeah, there's a lot of factors, but Emery is a genius, and we're um, we're blessed to have him. We're going to talk about the Carabao Cup fixture against Everton now. I spoke to Matt Kendrick earlier this morning, uh, first thing this morning, to get uh, a different perspective maybe on the League Cup from the older generation. So let's hand over to uh, Matt to get his thoughts on uh, Villa's game against Everton on Wednesday. Matt, thanks for joining us on the podcast. A strange way of us doing it, but our schedules wouldn't align. So I've already been speaking with John in the future as I record this with you. Uh, I've had a haircut as well since I've done this bit with you. So this is all very strange for me. Uh, How are you? I'm all right, mate. It's going to be one of those kind of continuity fails on on YouTube, isn't it? This when wearing different clothes, different haircuts, and at least my at least my haircut's consistent. Exactly that. Yeah, I was going to make that joke myself, but you beat me to it. Uh, me and John have been speaking a bit about Chelsea. We're going to chat about Brighton and obviously the League Cup as well is coming up this week. And I thought I'd get a different voice on a different opinion uh, and get your thoughts on this upcoming League Cup game. Uh, firstly, how would you approach it? Do you think how important should we be taking this game against Everton on Wednesday? I'll take it really importantly. I don't know whether you've noticed. I managed to dig out my um, 1996 shirt in the in the corner of the uh, corner of the room. Yeah, me bringing the old man's view again. It's it's really important. We've we've got to get some silverware in that cabinet. And I know we we're banking a lot on on Europe despite last week's setback. But these domestic cups are, are a place where we can we can really you know providing we take them seriously enough. And the team, whichever team we line up, are competitive enough. I think think they're a real opportunity for us. So, mm-hmm. I know you've asked me to think about my um, eleven, which I'll, I'll I'll give you as soon as requested. But I'd go pretty strong. I must admit. 
Yeah, it's also kind of a, an underrated facet of the the domestic clubs that you almost forget about a little bit, considering we're in the Conference League and the whole tournament is seven games, isn't it? The, the League Cup and Villa are already into round three, so we're two games away. If we beat Everton, we're only two more wins away from a two-legged semi semi final. One of those at Villa Park, and then you're at Wembley. So this is like a fast track route into Europe. That if we do take it seriously, and you get the look of the draw as well. Before you know it, we could be looking at a, another Wembley trip and your route into Europe is booked by February. Yeah, you do. You get two for the price of one. You get a trophy and you get you get European football guaranteed. It, it baffles me and offends me a little bit that these cups have got less and less significant to football mm. clubs. You know, let's say over the last 25, 30 years since, since Villa last won it. We know what it, what it is. It's because the, the financial incentives aren't as great as a place in the Premier League, you know, whatever that may may be, you, you know, getting up a couple of couple of positions in the Premier League. But, you know, you'll have heard me and other people say this so many times. There's only so many trophies that you that you can compete for. You know that the, the big boys are, are going to start to take it seriously when you get to the closing stages. So, I mean, what are we done this year? Is it 28 years, I think? Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, I think this one and the Conference League are probably our, our best opportunities to go and win it. It's weird because I've looked, I looked at um, the Villa squad. I know football's so different from, from it was 28 years ago. But I looked at the Villa squad or the Villa team early in the early stages of the competition with, with Thump Peterborough. And I just had a little look and I'll just run you through this squad. And I know football is different. You know, the pace of it's so much faster, et cetera, et cetera. But the team was for, for, for the home game against Peterborough. Bosnich in goal, Gary Charles, Paul McGrath, Gareth Southgate, Hugo Ekiog, Alan Wright, Andy Townsend, Mark Draper and Ian Taylor in midfield, and Dwight York and Tommy Johnson up front. Now, my memory might be fading, but I'm pretty sure that with the exception of Milosevic in for Johnson in the Mm -hmm. final, that was pretty much Villa's strongest team against Peterborough at Villa Park. We're up against Everton, who, you know, I think Everton... I know they won at the weekend, but probably set for a really kind of relegation slog or battle against relegation. They'll probably think that this competition themselves potentially offers a bit of light relief. So they'll go fairly strong, paving the way to me saying maybe a couple of changes, but not not the kind of five or six that we saw for the European game last Mm. week. Yeah, I'll come on to your 11 in a second. It's interesting about Everton's kind of approach to it, and we're, we're obviously not going to know until that team sheet comes out on Wednesday night, but you know, you'd identify this kind of mini run of games that Villa have had of Ledger, Warsaw, Chelsea, Everton, and then Brighton at the weekend. Everton is the easiest game, isn't it, in the competition that is lesser than, I don't want to offend you, a competition that's lesser than the, the Europa Conference League and the Premier League, and you'd expect two rotated sides. Now, for Everton who are going to be in a relegation scrap, do they look at this as we can try and build some momentum in the in the League Cup, win a couple of games there, see what happens and hopefully get a lift out of that? Or do they think the Premier League's more important, whoever we're playing at the weekend, that's more important than Villa. Let's just play a rotated side. If we go out, we go out. Yeah, like you say, we, we won't know. I mean, the, the thing about Everton is they've played us quite recently at Villa Park mm. and we're really, yeah. really poor. So I'm sure putting the, the record straight, it won't be their biggest motivation, but it will be a motivation. And we tend to, I don't want to jinx it here in 10th fate, but we, we tend to have that fixture sewn up, don't we, in, in, in recent years. So they'll want to be doing something um, to, to change that. I think, I don't know what Villa will do and I don't know what Everton will do, obviously, but I think Everton will go pretty strong. 
I think it's early in, early enough in the season, to, and with a, another break coming up. True. At the end of October, middle to end of October. Um, actually, when is the break? Is it, is it even before then? It's, it's something like the 9th of October, I think. There's a couple of yeah. more games, isn't there? I know we've already picked up a couple of injuries so far, but you would imagine that, you know, if this was April time, yes, you could understand it and the games are coming thick and fast. But like I say, my, I've got my own my own agenda with this anyway because it just frustrates the hell of me that the hell out of me that we, we we've not added to that since 1996. So, you know, Emery's got a reputation as being a cup manager with a strong cup mm. pedigree. I think we threw the, this competition away last season and the FA Cup. You know, I was at Old Trafford for for the game against Man United, and we we're in control of that a couple of times and and, and managed mm. to blow it. Yeah, I just hope we take it seriously. Give me your 11 then. We've, we've teased it a few times that you'd go strong. Read me your uh, starting 11 for Wednesday, please. All right. Well, I'd probably... I'd have Martinez in goal. I'd have Cash, Consart, Longley and Dean. I'd bring Ramsey back in. So I'd have a midfield three of Louise, McGinn and Ramsey. And then I'd have a front three of Bailey, Duran and Zaniolo. So I think it, there's a couple of changes in there, but I think it should be strong enough and competitive enough, competitive competitive is that right <laughs> it's too early in the morning that competitive enough to, to to go and win that game i don't know how to play it at all i'm undecided like you said it is early in the morning as we, as we record this and when i'm doing the rest of the show with john maybe i'll have given it a bit more thought uh, and just steal whatever john says um i don't know i, I feel like i think there's four changes there isn't there torres for long lay ramsey in Bailey in and Duran in as starters the rest of it's the, the same as what played against chelsea i think i can just see olsen playing for one of the changes straight off the bat. I don't think Martinez needs to play against Everton at home. I think there'll be more changes than you would probably like to see, but I still think that would be enough to get us over the line. Just on the tournament as a whole, the competition as a whole, I've not seen us win a major trophy in my lifetime. As, as looks may be deceiving, I was born in the November of 95. What would it mean to you to see us win a competition again after such a long drought, having seen the, the success of the 90s? Obviously, you missed the European Cup. Again, looks are deceiving. Um, what would it mean to you? <laughs> Sorry. Unbelievable. You're fresh-faced little... <laughs> I get go all sentimental and dewy-eyed, mate, with this, because it's a sentimental thing for me with, with my son. Um, mm. And I'm already panicking. This sounds silly, and I really want us to win the the, um, the conference league, but I'm already, already panicking that there's very, very little chance of me being there and yeah. us being there, you know. So... <laughs> Let's do the double. Let's have this as a as a as a safety net. Really, I think. Yeah, I think it's like the the biggest thing that, that that I've had watching football with my son would be the playoff final. Um, yeah, and it was brilliant Same for me as well. It was a really really nice really good moment. And I was going like, to flip this back on you and say, well, how did it feel? Not the result, um, but how did it feel against Man City in the League Cup final? Under, under Dean Smith. Did you get that buzz about it? Because that's probably, is that the first? Well, obviously, you'd have been to, to FA, FA Cup finals, I suppose, as well. Would you have gone to the um, the Arsenal? I was, at, I was at the 2010 one, the Vidic. Right. So I was like, that was my first Cup final. I don't know how, how I remember that now. It such, feels like such a long time ago, but I was obviously very, 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 very disappointed with the way it went in the end. I was at the 2015 FA Cup final where Arsenal pummeled us. 
after we'd done so well in the the semi final against Liverpool, uh, and you thought, oh, we've already beat Liverpool, so maybe we can we can do Arsenal as well. And that was just a, a disaster, wasn't it? Really, we were doing the podcast then, weren't we? We just started in the in the winter before twenty twenty, the back end of twenty nineteen. We started up, so we were doing like League Cup previews. We spoke to Tony Daly, didn't we? And Big Ron, and, and we did an episode with you. And Adam Wright came on and we had all like the scarves on the table and the programmes and we went through like the nostalgia of it all. So we were like hyped up for that final and and yeah, you're not kind of just going, oh, we're, we're going to win because it was obviously Man City. But the way the game went throughout as well, you did think during it, oh, we might have a chance here. Uh, and and the boys did us proud, didn't they? I think it was the message after the game when we, we came and did the post-match show that the week after. It was a nice kind of distraction, wasn't it, to have some kind of success in, in the League Cup, to have that night against Leicester over the two legs. It was a, a, a kind of a shining light in a pretty bad season overall. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And uh, like I said, I think sometimes we can we can forget that that moment seems far off when you're starting in the early rounds of a competition. But hmm. like you said, there's only a handful of games. Uh, obviously, that, that the task gets harder the more you you progress in the competition. But um, this is a big deal, and sometimes it's it's hard hard to remember that when it's the early stages of the competition. Yeah, yeah. This is a massive deal, and you have to take the early stages seriously to get anywhere anywhere near it of the team that i've suggested then do you think that is the right you may dispute a couple of positions and stuff but do you think that's the right level of strong if you like or would you go (laughs) even stronger than that or would you would you risk making more changes than that it's about right i'm not sure on i mean long last played one game hasn't any hard to judge him nobody was great against uh against ledger warsaw and you're going to have to rest that defence at some stage. Conce has played a lot. Pau Torres has played a lot so far. Did you have McGinn in your team? Yeah. I think I'd rest him as well. I think he's played a lot of football lately and he's looked a little bit maybe jaded over the last couple of games. So I'd, I'd be inclined to rest him. I like the idea of Durant coming in and starting because I think he deserves it after his kind of recent form of four goals in 200 minutes or whatever the stat is now is slightly more as well as he's come on against um, Chelsea and didn't score but then Watkins did score so maybe think I'll give him a bit more time to to get some confidence but there's just no need is there the, a rotated side should still be good enough to beat Everton I don't want to get carried away and ahead of myself but I think they will rotate a lot and we've already beat them at home once this season literally a couple of weeks ago seven or eight changes should still be enough to beat Everton but I, I, I'm not sure how Emery plays it I think I'd like to see slightly stronger than that but People like McGinn, I don't think he'd be in my team, and nor would Martinez, to be honest. Out of the side you picked specifically, those are two that I'd probably think about changing. Would you hammer Emery after the event if he rested Martinez and McGinn and we're... Uh... <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> Just finally, you mentioned like the the route to the, the Conference League final as well, and we're, we're absolutely getting ahead of ourselves here, but you know why not? John mentioned a couple of weeks ago about like the, how the Conference League latter stages and the League Cup latter stages don't even line up, so it's not like you've got to prioritise one or the other. If Villa top the group uh, in Group E, they don't play a knockout game in the Conference League until March the 7th. The Carabao Cup final is the 25th of February. So there's every possibility that Villa go to their first Conference League knockout game as Carabao Cup champions already and have already qualified for the Europa League, which maybe changes the the complexion of the Conference League as well. Oh, the optimism of youth. <laughs> yeah, you know me, I don't I don't want to jinx it. I'm cliche alert, just kind of one one game at a time. Let's just do our best to, to win this game and, yeah. you know, eliminate the excuses. Do you know what I mean? If, mm. What is our best our best team stroke use of subs to, to win a football match and go and do it? 
I get that we've got to protect these players, and I get that it's a long season, and I get that we're going to have more game season than we have for for, for several seasons. But if you're not going to give your chance, yourself a chance of properly properly going to winning those matches, mm. <laughs> what's the point, really? I'm going to end with the usual crap cliche question. Obviously, it's a big game, isn't it, in the Premier League on Saturday against Brighton, the 12.30 kickoff. You know, two sides that are up there and want to be up there at the end of the season as well. <laughs> if, if you can only win one, Everton in the Cup or Brighton in the Premier League, which one are you picking? It's Everton in the Cup for me. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't undo that. You can't undo a cup exit, mm. can you? Yeah. Whereby, I actually don't think we've completely hit our rhythm yet but you look at the league table you know and we we look in in decent shape so you can overcome a bad result in the Premier League we got spanked by Newcastle we got comprehensively beaten by Liverpool but we're able to you know I don't think we've drawn a game yet have we uh, it's win or bust isn't it with us so you know you, you can undo that whereas you get knocked out of the cup you've got to wait another year to undo it so I know that will yeah. fly in the face of loads of people for, to whom Premier League is everything uh, but again I suppose you've got to ask yourself why is Premier League everything because if we're doing it you know we, we need to beat Brighton to get to stay in the European places you've already said earlier that you win a cup you get in the European places we need to beat Brighton to win the title we need to beat Brighton to, to qualify for the Champions League and take the point I don't, don't think we're quite at either of those stages yet but uh no, no we're not i'm just asking the stupid crap cliche question to end this segment and i knew you would say everything anyway so uh yeah matt thanks for joining me for for 15 minutes or so on this uh, monday show and it's back to future me with john to talk about whatever we were talking about before this segment came in can you take me back to, to past me and i've got <laughs> hair like not, about like that's it yeah with me ron weasley look so those are Matt's thoughts on the cup game, John. What's your just overall opinion of that uh, fixture on Wednesday? I said last season when Villa were in the Carabao Cup and in, and in the FA Cup as well that we had a massive opportunity to go far in those competitions, especially because the draw was very good. Mm. Big teams got knocked out early on, including us. But this season as well, it feels quite similar. Newcastle, Man City, Brighton, Chelsea, although that's obviously going to be Brighton, isn't it? And um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a few other... Yeah, I've, I've, I've got them in front of me. Would you like me to read the ones I deem interesting? Yes, yeah, yeah. So you've got Man United, I've got Palace. Um, Liverpool have got Leicester, obviously a championship side now, but you know that's a possible one that maybe Liverpool rotate and Leicester come out of nowhere. Well, that's probably unlikely. Uh, Chelsea, Brighton, as you've mentioned, Newcastle, Man City as well, and Brentford, Arsenal is probably the other one I would consider to be two yeah. decent sides. So there's five all Premier League clashes there, so five Premier League sides are going out in this round. That's I already mean, a big boost. Yeah, you're looking at if Villa can get through, they'll be along with uh, Man United, possibly Arsenal, Liverpool, West Ham, Newcastle, or Man City, and Brighton. It's, it, there's not there's what five or six teams there that would um, I think Villa would fear as such. Mm. So um, that and that's six teams in a, in a much bigger draw. So if Villa can get through Everton, which I hope they can, you're already looking and thinking, well, if we can get a nice draw, then you're into the quarterfinal after that, and all of a sudden. You've got an opportunity to get to Wembley and win yep. a cup. And it, again, it's, it's early on in the season as well. You don't have to, I don't, personally, I don't think you have to um, make wholesale changes to kind of cope with the demands so early on. We can get through the Conference League and juggle uh, a couple of Carabao Cup fixtures plus the Premier League, in my opinion. We have a big enough squad to do that. It's not a huge squad. But yeah, I would make a few changes, but I wouldn't be... Again, I, I wasn't particularly sure why Emery made those five changes for Legia. I, I do think that was a mistake, and I think he probably regrets it now as well. A couple of changes here and there, but and that's mainly just to kind of um, 
keep players fresh. I think Louise probably needs a bit of a break. John McGinn as well. Can you replace those two without kind of killing the structure of your uh, structure of your team? And I don't think Everton are going to be particularly up for um, kind of famous last words, but they've got bigger things to do this season, haven't they? Everton, they need, they need to stay in the league. And the Carabao Cup, I don't think, is going to be on top of Dyche's to-do list. Uh, Matt was talking about he, he would expect Everton to go pretty strong just because they might be able to get some momentum. Like if they win a game in the Carabao Cup, they might be able to then win a game in the Premier League. But they've got Bournemouth and Luton as their next two. So I'd be looking at going, forget the Villa game. Let's focus on trying to beat Bournemouth and Luton and climb up the league table. So Everton will rotate and so will we. Match team had four changes, I think, off the top of my head. I recorded that early this morning, hours ago. So I can't remember specifically, even though it was only just in the podcast. Can you read me your 11 and, and go through your changes, please? Just for comparison's sake. Okay, so I'm starting Martinez in goal, Cash, Concer, Torres, Luke Dean. So that's an unchanged backline. Wow, okay. I don't agree with that, but carry on. (laughs) Kamara, Yuri Tielemans, Zaniolo, Diaby Watkins and uh, Leon Bailey. I don't agree with that at all. I don't think we'll go that strong. I know it's early doors and you can afford to get away with it, but Concer's played every minute for however long. John McGinn, I don't know, was he in your side? He wasn't, was he, McGinn? But I, these players, I, I don't want to say it's a myth that these players can't play every week, but two games a week I don't think is so strenuous that they can't do it. If if we're 2-0 up at half-time, then you can make changes. I just mm. think you always play your best team or a strong team. Don't make all the changes you have to. and yeah, it, I don't know, 2-0 up at half-time or whatever it may be. If you're leading, then you can bring on a Chambers or Longley and let them kind of go into it from there. I don't want to see us make five or six changes and then potentially lose the game. And then all of a sudden you're at the Carabao Cup. What a disappointment that would be. So, yeah, yeah. I, I fully agree yeah. with that. But I, I think a, a team with five or six changes is still good enough to beat Everton at home. We said that about Legia. I know I it's know, different. That's, that's different because it's away as well. I know, We've already beaten Ever- Everton at home as well. I know that was different because we were both full strength. But if Everton make changes and we make three or four changes, we're still good enough to beat them. But I get the we're point st- that if you go strong yeah. and you're 4-0 up at half-time, you make the changes then. We're good enough to beat Stevenage at home. With I know, again, that feels different. We've been burnt by this already. <laughs> let's, let's, let's learn from what I think are mistakes and let's just play a strong team. It's still two or three changes in that team. You know, it, it's not uh, it's not far off, uh, you know, four or five or whatever it may be. But I just maybe DRB come, maybe you drop DRB or something. But I just play a strong enough team to win the game. And that, for me, includes playing a strong defence. If you've got a strong defence, the attack will probably get enough chances to win the game against Everton. But if you start from a strong structure at the back, it's not going to be too physically demanding, I don't think, to play against Everton for someone like a concert. Mm. Just, just win the game and get through yeah I, I agree with that I, obviously I want to win the game and I'm not suggesting I'd play a weaker team here because I'm not bothered about the Carabao Cup uh, if you win this and you get a, a favourable draw in the next round you're in the semi-final in a, a two-legged game against whoever and I'd fancy us against Villa, uh, Villa Park for the home game then you're in the final and it's a route into Europe isn't it and I said earlier mm-hmm. that on Twitter that the EFL website has got it that if you win the League Cup you're in the Europa League a few people on Twitter have told me that it's actually the conference league you're going to now and there's the website's not been updated which is terribly poor if that's the case from the EFL's website. But it's Europe either way if you win the League Cup. And to do that by having played, what, five games to get there well, that, is... Again, I didn't even think of that off the top of my head. But there you go. That, that That's almost... I'm not saying Conference League is the height of our ambitions this season, because it certainly isn't. But if all else fails, with you've won silverware and you at least you're, you're where you were last season and you get another stab at it sort of thing. Yeah. If so, And for the sake of, as you say, to play a few games, potentially favourable draws... I I, pers- I would just play at least a strong defence, be solid, 
and then your attackers should hopefully be able to win the game against Everton. And that'll be the same for like a Mostar um, hmm. Bosnian team in two weeks' time as well. Let's just play from a solid base because we were ripped apart against Legia and, yeah. uh, and go Let's just read a couple of these comments saying Alex Berwick is the top one in my notifications. Our best chance of winning a trophy by quite some distance. Uh, some need minutes but wouldn't do a Warsaw. Uh, Kevin says, I think we'll see plenty of changes in the midfield and the front six uh, starts for Yuri, Ramsey, Bailey and Duran. Can't do much defensively. I think I probably agree with that. Your back five surprises me a little bit. I, I think I also want to play, to be honest. I don't think there's any need for Martinez. This is what I said to Matt earlier. I don't think there's any need for Watkins to play. Duran starts. Ramsey possibly in because he's coming back from injury, but McGinn doesn't need to play. I don't think Conser needs to play, to be honest, or one of Conser or Torres. I don't think they need to play. If, if you take Conser out, who who plays in defence? Well, yeah, Longley and Torres aren't going to play together, are they? But Conser is going to be playing basically every single game as it stands, and that's going to be a problem. Conser's solid. He's made of hard. Like I think he played every game last season. Conser in the league. Yeah, anyway, he is for now. Know. But what? Yeah, but all right. For example, then I'm massively playing devil's a devil's advocate here for the sake of it. Massively important game against Brighton coming up afterwards. With early doors in the Conference League, if Conser plays and gets injured on Wednesday, you'd be fuming. If he's out for six weeks, say. I would just be, but then if, make, this game. then if we make a defensive ever and lose the game, I'd also be fuming. Like yeah. That's more likely for Conser getting injured if he doesn't play. In, in my opinion, injuries are injuries. It's part of football. No one knew that Mings would be out for the season when he challenged uh, Isaac, but it happened. But no one, no one can predict that. And I know you're about to ask me anyway, but Brighton and Everton game, in terms of which ones would I rather win, it is difficult. But and I think a lot of people probably would say Brighton. <laughs> so I'm kind of sitting on the fence with it, to be fair, though. Um, but Matt in the said grand Everton, just for obviously yeah, people will have known that because it was in the podcast, but you didn't see I, it. Um, uh, he picked Everton, yeah. I, I'm edging towards Everton as well because you've got the Premier League is a long season. If we were to lose to Brighton or draw, it's gonna um, that's not gonna kind of shake the season. You, you kind of you, you play 38 games. You're you're gonna finish where you deserve to finish. And mm. in the Carabao Cup, if you win like four games, is it you get to Wembley? That might even be to win the competition. Yeah, I just in the Carabao Cup, can we can we just put a run together? Get maybe a bit jammy in the draw. We're at Wembley. Emery will probably win that game if it's a one-off. As long as it's not against. Uh, yeah, I'll read a couple more of these. Uh, Nick says, all the fans commenting their squads will be the same ones who moan if he rotates and we lose. Let's just trust in Emery. Uh, Matt Ken says, 11 changes. League Cup is bottom of our priorities this season. Like, I get the point. It's the bottom of our priorities, but we only have four. I say we only have four competitions. It, it's not as if we have a million things to do. It's a competition to go to Wembley and win it. And you've got like five why, games to why do. Is, why is the League Cup any worse off than the FA Cup? In terms of priority, branded by Carabao, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a trophy that gets you well, into well, some sort of competition. Well, no. I think the FA Cup just has more prestige. That's the only reason. Yeah, well, yeah, that goes without saying. But those two, in terms of uh, priority, are on a level pecking for me. Carabao Cup that is basically finished by the time the FA Cup even starts. Again, I, I, it's literally down to prestige. That can be the only reason. I, I know um, there was some reports saying that a lot of clubs, top clubs anyway, top six, you know, traditional rubbish. Um, there was some sort of vote that I think they wanted it to be played by youth players or something. There was, mm. I know, something along those lines. So it's not considered by those clubs as a kind of prestigious trophy. But for us, sod that. <laughs> it's silverware. It's, it's there and it's up for grabs. And, you know, it's not a competition that's kind of just been made a couple of years ago or whatever. It's um, it's not a dig at the Conference League, really. I know I, I, I said my piece about it, but I want to win the Conference League to get into the Europa League. And mm. I want to win the Carabao Cup to win silverware. So I think the League Cup should be one of the biggest priorities 
because it's such a short competition. Why so, so many to win five or six games? Why so many just, opposition. I think that I think we can make six or seven changes and beat Everton. The beat Brentford three one away though. I, I know they're Everton, a, I, know, I know they're a poor team, but that's because they'll make changes as well. I don't think they will no. go strong. I think they'll make changes. If you change your defensive structure, you're asking for trouble. If, if you change some attackers and play Durant instead of Watkins, I think that's okay. You can get by. Change your defensive structure and you're asking for issues. So I'd play your best best defence, if you will, uh, and then go from there. I'm, I'm torn because you've got to build a squad, haven't you? You've got to get the players that aren't going to play a lot playing at some point to get them some kind of rhythm and rotate and be fresh. I don't really buy the argument that it's, you know, fitness reasons in terms of rest against Everton to be strong against Brighton because we're what? 30th of September or whatever that Brighton game will be it's early doors and that shouldn't be a factor I'm just worried about people like Conte getting injured when we're already light in a game where we don't really need him Martinez getting injured would be disastrous I think Olsen will play I think we'll change the majority of the front five or six the defence might be unchanged but I would be inclined to make a change just because of Conte specifically any of the midfielders or forwards could all be different and I think that's still enough to get the job done um... I get the point about injuries. It's just that I feel like Watkins. Can you replace Watkins for the Everton game? Yes, and you can still win it with Duran, and and you kind of you're saving that injury fear or whatever. But because it's a low risk anyway with a player like Concer, and the drop off from Concer to whoever plays instead of him in terms of what that does to the back line in terms of organisation etc. Yeah. I think that's too much of a drop off. But if Villa are going to get to the latter stages of the Conference League and the Carabao Cup and their Premier League obligations. Is Ezra Conte going to play 55, 60 games? He's going yeah. to have to come out the side at some... He can't. He will not be able to play all those games. His body his body will give up at some Why? point. Footballers do this. Top players do that. Man United players play 70 games a season. Internationals as well. Bruno Fernandes does it every season. They, players can do it. I think it's just a bit of a... They're professional footballers. This is why they're one of the fittest... Some of the fittest people in the world. Like, they're... Yeah, this is what they're trying for. You sound like Rocky, yeah. It's the job. (laughs) It is the job. If if they play a match, then the next day's training won't be as intense. It's all about loading it, and it's um, they can do it. These are the games the players want to play in it. Ezri Conta wants to play in. Obviously, wants to play in Champions League football. Everyone's playing Champions League football, but if but to do that, you need to play 60, 70 games a season. Stuff like it's fine. Like especially for those players who haven't got a history of bad injuries as well. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a low risk. And if he gets an injury, then you know, what can you do about that? It's um, He'll want to play. It's uh, Yeah, I think it's a bit of a myth that players can't play two games a week, if I'm honest. Well, we're going to go round and round in circles here. And we've been recording a long time as it is. It'll be interesting to see the lineup for Wednesday and what Emery decides to do. We'll call it a day there, John. Thanks for joining me. Thanks to Matt as well for logging on about eight o'clock this morning to uh, talk through his thoughts on the Carabao Cup fixture. My Twitter feed is very divisive between a strong side or 11 changes. So I'd like to see if there's a bit of a middle ground on a different platform. So if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, get involved in the comments. If you're listening on Spotify or whatever your choice of podcasting platform, uh, leave us a five-star review and share the podcast around as well we both very much appreciate it thanks for watching this one we'll be back with the post-match show most likely for everton either wednesday night or thursday morning Uh, until then stay subscribed and we'll see you again very soon